Happy Halving Week, Mr. Darren. It was a you river. as well. Happy Thank you. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, I, I suspect that this fourth era of uh, block rewards that we're entering is going to look like, I'm working on an opinions piece, that Are the you? fourth era is going to look more like the first than the, the second or the third. Oh, uh, elaborate. Well, you know, Bitcoin was created in the wake of the global financial crisis and the bailout of banks. Sure. The, uh, this third halving, so the beginning of the fourth era of block rewards, also comes hot on the heels of a un an unprecedented bailout in mm -hmm. the wake of uh, the coronavirus pandemic. So I'm working on an op-ed piece at the moment that, uh, that suggests that the second and third halvings will be no guide as to what happens to Bitcoin. We, we need to look even further beyond and back to when Bitcoin was actually created because they, Bitcoin has never halved in the immediate aftermath of a bailout. And so what are the implications based on those patterns then? Yeah, I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of bullishness around, right, about, um, and there seem to be a lot of bullish signals. Mm -hmm. I know that many in the community were whinging about, well, you know, it was uneventful and nothing really happened, all that kind of stuff. I'm not sure what people were holding out for, like <laughs> what was supposed to happen, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, because in theory according to the having theories about value, mm. the scarcity increases, therefore the price goes up. And I think yep. a lot of people are just short-term thinkers. They're not yeah, thinking, yeah. oh, that's going to happen. You said 18 months. Right? Yeah, well, but so this, most people are like 18 hours, yeah. 18 minutes. <laughs> they want it now. The, the effect, if you, if you exclude for other variables, or sorry, if you don't exclude for other variables, so this is, there's, the causation isn't clear. After the second halving, it took a year for Bitcoin to peak before uh, its highest point between the second and the third halvings was 12 months after the second halving. And its highest point between the third and now the fourth halvings was 18 months after the third halving. So by that, uh, and also after the third halving, it, it, the price plummeted 30% pretty, pretty quickly in the immediate. Yep immediately after that. So you would expect if that pattern holds and who knows whether that pattern will hold we're, we're talking about a, a, a sample size of, you know, three, um, yep. then we can expect that it, it may peak two years from now. So uh, anybody who is, yeah, like you said, <laughs> looking, look, not, not looking Tomorrow. at it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm not waiting two $10 years, dollars man. of Bitcoin, I want 20. <laughs> I know a lot of, uh, well, I don't know a lot. Of, I know a few uh, friends of mine who who were, wanted to buy Bitcoin uh, just after the halving because they figured that there was going to be this, or sorry, just before the halving because there was going to be this massive movement in price and, and it was all going to be uh, rosy and they're going to double their money overnight and all that kind of stuff. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not telling you to buy or not buy, but you know, it's, uh, it may not be as dramatic as you, as you think. I think the having does stand now that it's happened during this present economic condition 
it stands in stark contrast, right, to the quantitative easing and the money printing. And I think that's why it's got attention. And the people who mm. are in the know, you know, your smart investors, your guys like Paul Tudor Jones and whoever, they're looking and they're going, yeah, this is a better solution for money. Even Elon Musk the other day was talking about this when he was in this Twitter feed with J.K. Rowling, which I wanted to talk about. Is it okay if I delve into that now? Of course. You know, and <laughs> yeah. Elon Musk was saying, well, Bitcoin looks pretty solid when you compare it to what's going on with, you know, the U.S. dollar, right? And uh, that was one of the few kind of wiser comments that was made in the Twitter feed. I don't know if you got a hold of that, but J.K. Rowling, the writer of the Harry Potter series, she basically just asked, I don't know what she expected, but she basically just asked, so <laughs> yes. someone explain to me what Bitcoin is, right? And people just went bonkers, On right? Twitter, right. Yeah. And there was just a barrage of people trying to explain it to her. You know, some people using Harry Potter terms to kind of liken it to her right, world, right. I guess you could say. As if she lives in the Harry Potter universe. I don't know. <laughs> right? Um there was actually a good explanation of it on Cointelegraph. I don't know if you saw that one, but it was just a little summary. It just kind of went over the major like five, six points uh, and it was addressed to J.K. Rowling. So that was a good one. Uh, but the majority of them were terrible. Uh, my favorite was actually not when someone replied to J.K. Rowling. It's when someone replied to a fake account of J.K. Rowling that was uh, created by Loomdart, who is a known figure in the Twitter cryptosphere, um, who posted, okay, guys, that's enough. I bought some Bitcoin. You can all stop now. And people went ballistic. They were all excited for her that she'd finally bought Bitcoin, which, of course, it wasn't her. And the best one was the CEO of Coinbase, Brian Armstrong, who congratulated a fake JK Rowling account on buying Whoa. Bitcoin and immediately recommended she, quote, use her Bitcoin to buy a bunch of other altcoins that are on Coinbase. You know, and it just made me wonder, like, if the CEO of Coinbase yeah. is fooled by a fake account on Twitter, that's not very reassuring if you're leaving your funds on Coinbase. Put it that way. I know, I know. <laughs> how safe are our, how safe are our Coinbase wallets, right? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was very cringe where Dovey One chimed in saying, mm. I now understand what cringe means. She couldn't quite get the translation before, but following that set of uh -huh. that thread, she's like, I now understand what cringe means. Does, uh, did Mr. Armstrong have a. <laughs> did he say he was being sarcastic, for example? Because that would be. That's, that seems to be the. Uh, the explanation of the year, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, I was sucking. playing along. It was funny. Um, yeah. yeah. There were a couple of people who actually did say that, who said, oh, I just thought it was funny and I was playing along. Um, right? And I'll admit, yeah. when I immediately saw it, I saw it and I thought, oh, cool. And I clicked the like little icon on Twitter. And then I read, it said, wait a minute, it says at Loomdart. <laughs> and I, I still liked it, just for a different reason. It was, it was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. But... Uh, yeah. What did she what did she want to do with it? What what was she um expecting? That's she just a good question. A, a primer, I guess. She did address it to a couple of people in 
the crypto realm who are respected journalists. I think one of them was, I forget the pronunciation of her name, Leah Kewen. Is that the name, pronunciation? I think she's a journalist at Coindesk. If I'm wrong, correct me. I don't remember. But anyway, Sorry, she did I it. I forgot that wrong. She did, yeah. Yes, she did address it to her and one or two other people. And so I think the hope was to have kind of a dialogue, but maybe she didn't realize how much the, people in what Twitter is like. Yeah, right. It was definitely a primer in that regard, for sure. So baptism by fire, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to the to the uninitiated crypto Twitter is if you don't know, if you didn't know what it's like. You're gonna throwing up a lobbing a question like that into crypto Twitter is like a, opening up a can of <laughs> all kinds absolutely. of worms. Absolutely. <laughs> like, granted, if you weren't a celebrity, you'd probably get almost no response. But so the other thing I paid attention to this week that I noticed, and you probably wait, wait, let me guess, let me guess, let me guess the hash rate. You are like. How Clairvoyant, I... psychic, what's the word? <laughs> Telepathic? Yeah, I, it's true. I, can I know I get all nerdy it. about the hash rate stuff. I'm sorry. Um, no, but it did some crazy things I, I noticed. You are the hash rate man more than I am. I, all I know is it did some, some odd stuff. Except when I mix up the words exahashes and terahashes, it kind of takes down my credibility a little bit, you know. But... Uh, yeah, uh, basically an exahash. Yeah, potato between friends, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Potato, exa potato. I don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah, an exahash is a million terahashes. And I think I just said a terahash instead of a million terahashes. So anyway, the after the halving, well, immediately prior to the Bitcoin halving, the hash rate peaked at an enormous 151 exahashes per second, which is incredible it's it's Is literally well by far it's it's okay. literally like 50 percent higher than it was say a few days before so you're talking an enormous growth in processing power indicating uh, a whole bunch of miners jumped in just to grab the last of the the, the 12 and a half bitcoin block rewards i suppose that, so yeah okay. they were fighting for that last block and of course it did accelerate things a little bit right yeah, yeah. I know. Um, yeah. And then following the halving, it fell kind of constantly over a period of, you know, let's say from the, a few days, right? And it kind of bottomed out around 80 ish exahashes and then blipped back up to like 110 in like a day. So. There's a lot of activity there. Now, at the moment, again, it's kind of popped back now. Now it's around 90 exahashes. Um, so you're seeing a lot of people. What I, I, I'm theorizing that you've got some people starting up some pools, starting up some uh, equipment. I think there was a new pool that just appeared the other day with like 5% of the hashing power, a single pool that nobody had ever heard of before. Wasn't it called Lubian.com or something like that? Did you hear about that? No. Yeah, so I, they, okay. I did so research they, that. but So they've been waiting in the wings with incredible equipment. Well, my thought is, is it... if you look on Bitmain, 
And of course, they're huge Bitcoin Cash advocates. But nevertheless, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash also, they mine on the same algorithm on SHA-256. If you look on there, they've been shipping out um, the Antminer T17 has been shipping out to people. So it's possible that some people got a hold of those new machines. I'm not sure. Um, And that would have been quite a lot of a, a power boost for some people. So... I'm expecting it to, once more and more of these uh, bits of uh, ASIC miners are ordered, I think we'll see a good climb here. The other interesting thing about that was there was a lot of arguments that um, the Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV forks were taking hashing power from Bitcoin after the halving because of the fact that it was more profitable temporarily to mine on those networks, which is true. If you look on... uh, well, this is a little biased, but I'm looking on the Ant Pool results, which is again a pro BCH website. Um, but they're currently saying the profitability on uh, TerraHash is a seven point seven cents on Bitcoin per TerraHash, uh, whereas Bitcoin Cash, it's around eight point two cents. So you're getting a good half cent more profitability per TerraHash mining Bitcoin Cash right now because they've gone through their difficulty adjustment already, whereas Bitcoin has not yet. So the thing are people are saying, oh, well, they've diverted power from the Bitcoin mining to Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV, but that does not explain it. Because if you look at Bitcoin Cash's hash rate, there are only around three exahashes per second and Bitcoin SV is really only like two and a half. So the two of them together are like six, seven percent of what Bitcoin is doing power-wise. So yeah, so, so it they fell, can't possibly be that. So from one hundred and fifty-one, it fell. It, it almost halved. Yeah, meaning yeah. meaning a flight by unprofitable m- miners. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could suggest. I would suggest that, that suggest it looks that? like they turned them off. They didn't. They didn't redirect them to another algorithm. They did not. You would think if they'd switched them to Bitcoin Cash, it should be more than three exahashes per second. I mean, to put it in perspective, the very highest Bitcoin Cash has ever had in his hash rate is like eight or so exahashes okay. per second, right? So it's nowhere near the amount of power. And it didn't get anywhere near that when people uh, when it went through this decline. So I don't know if it was just a rejigging of things, turning off some old equipment and getting some new equipment set up. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, when you ima- when I imagine this stuff getting set up, we just kind of picture it, just gonna flip the switch and it's all on. But you know, the reality is, you if this is set up in some building somewhere, you're gonna need to take all those old units out, replace them with new units. Like that could be a time-consuming process. But your your long term or your medium term prediction is that is for a, a a gradual slope upwards of the of the BTC hash rate. Let's save that for my definitely not financial advice. We'll talk about that. Oh, you've then. got you've got some on that. Okay. Okay. Um so yeah, basically my point being the forks aren't really a factor. Um Bitcoin Cash was being propped up in April at a uh, not as much profitability. You could argue the same thing right now. Bitcoin is actually less profitable than Bitcoin Cash at the moment, right? So you wonder why aren't some of these miners redirecting to Bitcoin Cash? An extra half cent per terahash, 
that adds up over time. It doesn't sound like a lot when it's a half a cent, but mm. you know, it's on a lot of machines every second. So I don't know what the explanation is for that because you think if you were just going cold hard cash wise, you'd go, okay, let's flip to Bitcoin cash until this is over with. But there's people, like I was saying a few episodes ago, there's people who have a vested interest in keeping that network going, even if for a week or 10 days or whatever, there's a blip there where they're not as profitable They're, I think they're, they're sticking with it because, you know, they're not just living in that moment. Like, like you said about people who want to triple their money in 18 minutes, a couple of days. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I've been liking the, the incredibly bullish sentiment that's been floating around at the moment, having or otherwise. Um, and a lot of the technical and sort of uh, also macro indicators would suggest surely well I, you know i don't really care what elon musk thinks of, of bitcoin or what what jack dorsey thinks of bitcoin but there are a lot of uh nor do i care to be honest what hedge funds think of bitcoin but there's clearly now with with bitcoin if you if you believe in the stock to flow ratio which I, I know has problems. Bitcoin is almost as scarce as gold. And if it is to become treated like gold and considered a, a, a haven asset like gold is, then it the price behavior from here on in could be quite astonishing. And of course, predictions range, you know, but quite dramatically. But there is a lot of genuinely bullish sentiment and based on fundamentals you know not based mm-hmm. on uh, i want a headline so i'm gonna i'm gonna spit out some some wacky number so i don't know you know i don't know how, how long that takes i mean history says it it will be it could be 18 months could be two years could be one till we get uh, the next to the next spike i also don't know what it means for uh, are we saying altcoins is that the polite way to say it's more polite yeah yeah, because there's a there's some reporting that we should expect an altcoin season um, at some point pretty soon because that tended to follow having events. But, you know, I'm not sure. I, Maybe I think... with J.K. Rowling buying all those altcoins on Coinbase, it'll get things rolling. Yeah, could do, could do. Though it, it does. The other thing it, that occurs to me is that if Bitcoin if the price of Bitcoin doesn't appreciate pretty significantly against all fiat currencies, which are now, you know, part of that appreciation is going to reflect the depreciation of the of the value of those fiat currencies. That's mostly right? what it is. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in a good mood for all those reasons. You know, I think I think we've reached a uh, a, a really nice point here. With Bitcoin is is about as scarce as gold, and this is the test now. It's as scarce as gold. Will people treat it as as a as an asset like they do gold? Well, yeah. and it's a classic scenario where people don't want to buy something that's an asset when it's not trading at a high price, and when it trades at a higher price, that's when people go, "Oh, it's worth something. I should buy it." It's the exact opposite of what a person should do, mm. but it's human nature. We want to belong, right? We want to be a part of what's going on around us. And when people are excited about it and are buying it for more money, that's when people want to hop in. They don't want to do it when it's worth less. Yeah. Yeah. I was 
I did a little piece about, uh, I mean, you would have heard about Reddit. Yes. Yeah. And I've, I have to admit, I've never been a particular fan of the idea of um, tokenizing everything. Is it the air mileification of everything? Because it just seems to me to be quite messy. But they had, the way they explain, and I'll, I'll just, I'm, I'm going to read uh, verbatim. I'm skipping a few bits, but Reddit explained um, the, the tokenization of upvotes and, and uh, points and stuff in this way. It's beautiful, I thought. In the beginning, the internet was a free frontier, a land of openness, creativity, and possibility. Then the amusement parks opened. Millions abandoned the frontier, drawn to the glitzy rides and manicured lawns. At first, everyone loved the parks until they built walls and billboards and spied, manipulated, and censored the people. And it goes on from there. And I thought it was a, a beautiful way of explaining their pivot toward tokenization and, and the, uh, you know, what, what the promise of the crypto world and, and a tokenized internet that also feeds into uh, Peter Thiel. Uh, have I got his name right? Thiel, yeah. Thiel, Peter Thiel's um, what he calls the original sin of the internet. I don't know if you've, you've heard him Go talk ahead. about it. Go ahead, explain, yeah. The original sin of the internet was no pay button. So, mm. uh, he, so I guess he, he designed, he developed Netscape. I don't want to get this wrong. Is that right? I hope so. <laughs> I may have got that wrong. But, you know, he, he anyway, he was there doing stuff around at the very beginning. Now, that he, eventually became Firefox, did it not? Like the same people who were involved in Netscape Navigator, a lot of them were involved in the building of Firefox, I believe. Is that right? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Subscribe, comment, like. That would explain why Firefox is terrible and doesn't work very well. But... <laughs> Really? You think so? I like Firefox. Uh, I'm, I'm a brave man, man. Um, yeah, Peter Thiel described the fact that they didn't build into browsers a pay button as the original sin of the internet. And that's why we get this, everything's free, but we're trading out data for, for that free stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and that and so the Reddit the Reddit maneuver now feeds into that whole narrative of we may be moving toward a world uh, you know a, an internet environment in which we're not blasted with ads and we're not selling our data but we do have to pay for stuff that that used to be free um, through tokens and and this is uh, who knows who knows how that happens and and in what form that takes but um, if if it improves the internet experience of the average user. And, you know, it makes sense. There's not a lot in life that we don't pay for. Not and, if it's worth something, yeah. If it's worth, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I'm, I'm I don't, kind it of, might draw, it might bring some positivity to the platform. I find Reddit tends to draw a lot of negativity, a lot of hypercritical responses. <laughs> yes, so, I do. <laughs> I'm not even going to say it, what I think of Reddit, because I fear the um, <laughs> a Redditor reaction. 
it's the reality it is re- reality of the situation though you know i remember when i first started blogging and i was like oh i'm gonna try this out and i started writing on steam it because i was just learning about it and i would post stuff on steam it and then i would sometimes put that on reddit and the difference in responses from people on steam it to reddit was incredible you know really? steam it was very very positive and you know people would uh, send you tokens and whatever and be like ah nice work blah 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 oh good to see you're into this whatever right and it was just very encouraging and reddit was like this is terrible blah, 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 you know and uh yeah it was very interesting contrast people are anonymous on both platforms right theoretically hmm that's interesting yeah, so anonymity very stark contrast right okay so it's not anonymity that's breeding the uh the nastiness necessarily at least well, your experience. And granted, Steemit is obviously more open to the ideas of cryptocurrency and those things, whereas Reddit, you're going to have people who are more skeptical naturally, right? So it's not necessarily, it's like we've said before, it's good to have bullish and bearish voices. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. Hmm. And how about for your uh, fail? What was your fail? David Schwartz. Uh-huh. So when, yeah, really? when... Jed McCaleb, dumping on the XRP feds. There was a recent Cornell University paper that found that uh, 98% of transactions on the XRP ledger were spam or zero value transactions, right? Zero Blockchain value, equivalent. right. Yeah. Blockchain equivalent is of spam. David Schwartz. So would you call that wash trading then at that point? Is that what that is? Or what was the purpose of all this spam? Just to play silly games that it doesn't look seem like it's to more be, active than it is uh yeah or to mess with it okay just for fun I've been, you know <laughs> to me i think it would be you know hey look at how many people are using our network look how many transactions there are right that's been a common thing that a lot of cryptos have done i think bitcoin cash was there was a time where it was found that Something like 60% of transactions came from like one wallet or something insane like that uh I, I don't have any facts to back up this right now. Yeah, no, yeah, I'll Call yeah. something about that. S S V uh, has the the weather uh, <laughs> the, the weather transactions right, which is a substantial uh, part of that network. But Schwartz's response was that yeah, because it's cheap and it's fast. There's no disincentive for spam. That's how good we are. Which I Great. thought was PR gold, man. If this, if uh, the CTOing gig doesn't work out for him, he can he can walk straight into public relations. I reckon. Well, and that's again points to the fact that again, Bitcoin is, and I try not to be a maximalist here, but you know, low fees aren't necessarily a good thing, because in the long run, if you want your network to be secure and not get just overrun with spam. You need to have some fees and with the having it becomes more important because in the long term, I don't know how many of our listeners know this, but in the long term, you're not going to have block rewards at all. Mm. You're only going to make profit as a miner from the transaction fees. So if the transaction fees are not of some substance, there's no reason to keep mining as the block reward diminishes. Now, of course, for now, of course, the block reward is worth mining for. But, and I mean, we're talking long term here. You're talking like a yeah, hundred yeah. some years from now, right? Yeah. Um, but the transaction fees, they're important. 
You know, and if as a miner, you're not making any money off of transactions and you're making barely anything off the mining, it's not a great deal of motivation to keep mining unless you have some vested interest like, say, Antpool does in keeping Bitcoin Cash alive by propping it up where you could be making more profit elsewhere, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Fees are going to be uh, increasingly important for sure. Mm. Did you... Who was your interview with this week? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to find it. It was with Justin Blau. He's a DJ and a producer. He's worked with the likes of like Adele, Rihanna, uh, electronic dance music DJ, and uh, very successful in that realm. And he kind of delved into tokenization with music when it was emerging. In uh, early 2017, he got into Ethereum. Good timing. And... Uh, did well with that. And then he was looking around at all these ICO projects that were getting into tokenization with music. And he was like, I've never even heard of all these people. Like, why aren't we doing something? And so he got into it and he got into, he actually tested it out with something called our music festival, which was a music festival. And their first event was in San Francisco and basically had the stellar team build an, a wallet that could scan a QR code and was used at the festival for buying merchandise and uh, different little benefits and so forth that were going on there. And it worked. It, it was very successful. And it was kind of a, a test case for how you could tokenize an event. Um, and then he talks about, you know, things like tokens being used to select who's going to perform at an event. Uh, tokens being used to buy shares of music, of someone's music, and actually own a portion of that music uh tokens being used to show your loyalty to a particular artist uh, now of course with the whole securities kind of crackdown that came around in 2018 he had to back off of that because there was all this kind of legal uncertainty around remember that it, before 2017 all these tokens were or in 2017 all these tokens were just utility tokens they, they weren't thought of as securities Right where you would go, oh, if you buy it now, um, just a brief explainer on securities. This is not a simple topic, but essentially it's the notion that you buy something, the company does the work for you, and you make money off of their work without having done anything yourself other than buying the token, right? And so therefore that's considered a security. Uh, whereas if it's a utility, if it performs a purpose, that's not a securities token but it kind of overlaps because if token mm. goes up in value according to utility well, it gets a little foggy there so he backed off from that but he still uh consults with a number of companies he still advises um he's still very much a part of the crypto world and he does want to see that move forward and he is still involved in that but the legalities of it make it move a little more slowly right right yeah yeah that uh, a clear legal framework can't come soon enough, I think. Absolutely. I mean, there are just so many projects that are in desperate need of some kind of clarity and to to be able to move forward. You know, you're getting a lot of the, uh, a lot of this holding back. Yeah, and, and it's and, very fragmented. Yeah. Right? You have a global phenomenon that's being regulated state by state in the United yeah. States, region by region, country by country, 
tax haven by tax haven. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we should talk about our definitely not financial advice. I definitely not financial advised last week, and I've been scanning for it on Twitter. I definitely not financially advised last week that Justin's son of the Tron Foundation would announce intentions to return the two million that he st uh, uh, received. And I scrolled through Twitter. I was looking for it. I was yep. waiting. I was like, come on, Justin. Say it, Justin. I thought he'd have some, you know, CZ would tap him on the shoulder and say, listen, mate, you know, that doesn't, it just doesn't look good this time. You've, you've probably gone too far this time. But no, he's keeping it. So there Point you go, American taxpayer. And they, that's one for you and, and a zero for me. I'm good at these zeros, man. We're pretty consistent, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because my prediction was that Ethereum would be the news story and that dominance in Ethereum would rise. Um, although there's some truth to the fact that there has been more attention paid to Ethereum. I don't know if you've noticed it. There's been a lot more press about Ethereum. So the vibe is there. The vibe is there. The long term, we'll see. You know, I said last episode, you know, a year from now, we're looking at 15% dominance, maybe 20. Yes. But it, it, it didn't move virtually at all over the past week in terms of dominance of the market. I think I said it was at 8.8 .8 last week, Sunday. Currently, it's at 8.77. So it's literally 0 0.03 away from where I picked last week. So um, I do see the dominance rising, but it's a longer-term thing. It was probably a bad choice for a uh, one-week DNFA. But having said that, there is more of the news about it happening. But yeah, you've, you've got that one. You won that one. So again, tie. We keep doing it. Tying, tying through failure is uh, not necessarily a bad thing, right? <laughs> Win by default. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your DNFA for the next week? You may have heard of the ransomware gang um, called, you know, they had some, uh, it wasn't pink, it was Lady Gaga. So they, they hacked a, a law firm's um, servers mm. and got some Lady Gaga stuff. Um, really? Like using, what? what stuff? I, I don't know. I mean, probably just personal contact information is what I'm, is what I'm thinking. Mm. Um, so do you know Kibi Kibiki yeah, I don't even know how to say it anyway they, they are demanding 42 million dollars in cryptocurrency to not expose Donald Trump's what they inverted commas dirty laundry which somehow is attached to Lady Gaga no 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 okay. sorry so they've got say. They, they, they've got some Lady Gaga stuff from her law firm um, Elton John, Robert De Niro, Madonna were using this, but but they but they're also now they're claiming they got some Donald Trump stuff, which ah. is which would be if revealed enough to preclude any possibility of him winning the election in November. I don't believe um, it. The guy could the guy could win people's votes no matter. He literally could. He said he could go out, uh, you know, and shoot someone on Fifth Avenue or whatever. He literally could do that, and people would still vote for him. Right. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with you. Um, anyway, they want $42 million, preferably in Monero, but they'll take Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, preferably in Monero. Oh man. <laughs> so, so my, what does this uh, have to do with the DNF? <laughs> yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Okay. Okay. It's coming. So um, you can't you can't negotiate with uh, with 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 ransomists. Nope. Um, um, and my so my D my do not uh, rely on this financial my definitely not financial advice my completely unreliable prediction of the week is that they will begin to leak some uh, Donald Trump dirty laundry and the first thing they're going to leak is the hotel room in Moscow with the, the, the strippers yep yep <laughs> that's. <laughs> In fact, it's definitely not non-financial advice, but um, that's my. Uh, we'll, we'll get to see the uh, the Donald Trump Russian hotel action by the end of this week. By the end of the week, you think so? That's a very interesting DNFA. Wow, that would you know in these days and this day and age, that would be a very interesting bit of news. Hmm. <laughs> um. So I kind of have to bet against you, don't I? Though, like, we're not all. Can we agree on on our bets? Is that an okay thing in DNFA? Can't really work that way. I have to go against you. I have to bet against you. So I'm yeah. going to say no. They're not going to leak anything. Okay. They're going to hold out for Monero or preferably okay. Monero. <laughs> okay, we'll take Tron. Okay. <laughs> take if Tron. it's all you've got, we'll take your Tron. Verge, they could use the Wraith protocol. For privacy uh, uh, they could they could <laughs> if there was anything like enough verge in the world to uh to, to make up 42 million dollars they they may well take it you know yeah good work um i i kind of foreshadowed this earlier i was going to talk about the hash rate for my dnfa and uh there's a difficulty adjustment coming they're gonna it's gonna retarget and uh, i think it's less than three days time okay where now I did read, and you know what, listeners, please correct me if I'm wrong here. I did read something about there's a bug in the Bitcoin protocol that at the first opportunity to readjust, for whatever reason, uh, Bitcoin does not do a retarget. If that's the case, then my prediction is not going to pan out here. Have you ever heard of that, that bug? No. Yeah, but... I don't know. I just read that on a couple spots. I'm not 100% sure. I, someone can tell me. Uh, but anyway, if there is in, in this three-day time, so we're talking Wednesday, yeah, um, a readjustment, a retargeting of the difficulty, it's going to be a drop in difficulty because the hash rate's fallen from like 150 peak. Now, granted, that was, I think at the time of the last readjustment, it was around 120 or something like that. Okay. So it's going to readjust very slightly. And so my expectation is miners are going to respond to that lighter difficulty and you're going to see the hash rate jump back up. And by next week, Sunday, I'm saying that if we look right now, just so we can compare, uh, let me refresh it. The hash rate is currently at 87.5 exahashes per second. My prediction is one week's time, we're going to be back above 120 exahashes. You're going to see some of these uh, new ASICs come online and uh, it's going to ramp back up after the difficulty adjustment. What do you think? So that's, that's, a substant- that's a 50% boost from almost 
let's say 40% boost from where it is right now. So I'm going bold on it again because, you know, yeah, boring bets aren't fun. So how do, do I, what do I, okay, I'm going to, what do I do? I just well, here's the, here's the dilemma. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we, I kind of agree with you that something could be leaked. You kind of agree with me that the hash rate could go up. So do we just win either way then? I don't know. But I have to let you win if if your prediction is any close to right, right? Well, so, we could do it like the NFL where they make predictions of the games and they just keep score of the amount of times they were right. And it's not a matter of, you know, winning this round. It's a, we might each get a point for being right. Right, okay. But and if I, we're both wrong, we get no points. But in, in fairness to you for this time, I'd want to I'd want to give you some wiggle room. I'm not going to say it will, it will be at 119 exahashes, for example, because that would be that would be being cheeky. Like Price is Right, underbidding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to bet against you because I have to, and say that it it will not change significantly. Okay, so you think it's going to hover around 90 exahashes? Around 90, yeah, yeah. Okay. That yeah, and I have I don't know, absolutely man. no basis for saying that, other than I have to say something that you don't say. Well, again, I think we in, could in agree. We a... would just each score the point if we agreed. I'll bring our net respective gain to zero. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, green's no fun though, right? No, it's better to disagree. It's more interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm pledging uh, 48 million. Verges on uh, on myself being uh, at least right once for the for next week. I'll <laughs> take that bet, preferably in Monero, though. Pre- you you take Monero, okay? That's going to be a that's going to be a tough conversion to make. I might have to um, I might have to route that through someone some 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 hacked Pornhub uh, shady character subscription or something. <laughs> All right. Well, it's uh, good talking to you again, Darren, on the Crypto Radar podcast. Happy uh, having week again. You as well. Right on. And we'll, uh, we'll see how these predictions look a week from now. Excellent. Everybody take care. And subscribe. Yeah. And give us your opinion on this stuff. Yeah. Send us some love. Yep. Or hate. I mean, makes sense. Yeah, we'll take it. Away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go Reddit on us. Go Reddit on us. <laughs> All right.